Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report on the 1520. And we have back by popular demand Carl Calabrese, who's a great visionary and analyst of political happenings in western New York, uh, New York State, and uh, nationally, a very bright guy who sees through all the garbage. And I publicly apologize. About three weeks ago, we tried to get him. We were off one digit, and now we have him. So we all make mistakes, and I make more than anyone else. So, But we're happy to have the brilliant Carl Calabrese. A few years ago, Bob McCarthy wrote about Calabrese uh, to retire from area's biggest lobbying firm. When Carl J. Calabrese was helping to form the Massiello, Bartucci, and Calabrese lobbying firm 16 years ago, just about everyone in New York State's political community warned that basing the business in Buffalo was destined to fail. Now the firm is the biggest of its kind in western New York, and several other lobbyists now boast Buffalo offices too. As he announced his retirement Friday, Calabrese said the Buffalo Connection remains one of his proudest accomplishments as he steps away from a long career in government and politics. Well, he's still involved in politics, and he was on Channel 4 the night before this taping. And let's talk about this big debate uh, against uh, Max Delapia with uh, New York State Republican Chairman Nick Langworthy. Uh, what's your analysis on the debate? It sounded like on Channel 4 you thought that uh, Langworthy had the edge. Oh, no question. Uh, both in style and substance. Uh, my first observation was that uh, there was a huge experience gap between the two candidates. Uh, Delapia did okay. I wouldn't give him a failing grade, but it was quite obvious that Nick Langworthy, even though he's never run for public office by being a county chair and then the state uh, chair of the Republican Party, just had a lot more experience behind the podium uh, talking about issues. Uh, and he was just clear and crisper, and, and uh, his thoughts were, were complete. Um, Delapia had a lot of trouble at times uh, finishing thoughts. Uh, there were there was times where there was you know very awkward five six second uh, dead airspace where he just couldn't think of what to say. Uh, so that was my first observation in terms of style. Uh, there's no question Nick Langworthy showed his experience level. In terms of substance, it's it's interesting, Brian. We're we're approaching Halloween. And all over the country, we see Democrats running for Congress putting on a costume of being a moderate Democrat. <laughs> because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Della Pia last night strayed from the party 
positions on a number of issues. Uh, uh, on abortion, he said he was not favor- in favor of late-term abortions. That's contrary to what Democrats believe. Um, on uh, on the border, he said we should have a wall and we should you know deport people who come illegally. That's departing from the orthodoxy of the Democrat Party. And on energy, he said he was uh, he opposed uh, or would oppose uh, Biden's efforts to shut down pipelines. So on those three issues, uh, he certainly took a different stance than where his party is going. Uh, the problem is when these folks get to Congress, you know they run as moderates. And then when they get to Congress, they vote, you know, 95 to 100 percent with with Biden and Pelosi. So uh, I think voters understand that, recognize that. Um, and that's just the nature of the political business that we're in. Very interesting. Now, you're more optimistic <laughs> than most uh, visionaries about the U.S. House. Uh, most people think, well, it might be 15 to 20 seats going Republican. But I think you've been talking about 25 or 30. So why do you see such a big shot at it when when most people say it should be more narrow well a lot of the polls <laughs> i follow polls literally almost every day and what i have found over the years is the polling business has gone the way of the journalism business and, and every other major business in this country and that is they've become left they've moved to the left they've become woke and in many ways they've surrendered their their past history of of fairness and and looking at both sides. And and there's just a lot of junk polls out there, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, the polls I look at, there are a couple that I do trust because of the record of accuracy. But I'm just looking at it, you know, I, I've told people, I've given a few talks on this recently. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, when you invest in a company in the stock market, you're told to look at the fundamentals of a company. What is their, what are, what are their sales? What are their products? What is their research and development? What is the quality of their management team? Um, you know, all of those things lead you to invest your money, vote with your money. It's no different in politics approaching elections. I, I'm looking at the fundamentals of this race uh, for Congress. And I say, you know, first of all, the party in power, president in power, facing his first midterm election since World War II, loses an average of 28 seats. So when I see polls, <laughs> including Fox, I, uh, saying, oh, well, maybe maybe 20. I say, wait a minute, you mean to tell me in this this mood of the country, um, we're looking at less than the average of 28. Um, also, when a president is below 50% in approval, the average is 28. Even if they're above 50%, they lose an average of 12 to 14 seats. So again, when I see polls are saying, oh, the Republicans are going to pick up 15 seats, Biden is underwater by 10 points. He's at 39, 40% approval. Yeah. But uh, again, I'm looking at the fundamentals and I'm saying, wait a minute. Here's, what, here's how I assess it. And having been in public office for 20 years and involved in politics since my sophomore year in college, right? here's what you start with. You've got a president at 40% approval. You've got people, when you ask them, how is Biden handling the major issues? He's underwater by double digits. When you ask people, what party do you have more faith in, in handling the major issues? Republicans are up by double digits. You've got runaway inflation. We're in a recession. You've got rampant crime. You've got a, a border out of control. You've got 67% of the American people saying that the country is in a, going in the wrong direction. Uh, and on top of that, you know, you've got a president talking about nuclear Armageddon, and our 401k plans are, are disappearing before our very eyes. Now, you mean to tell me that with that mood of the public and, and those facts, that the American people are going to reward the party the Democratic Party that produced all of those numbers with two more years of power, not going to happen. 
Very interesting. Um, let's switch to the Senate. That seems like a tough, a tougher haul for Republicans. Uh, most uh, political pundits say, well, we the Republicans might pick up one or two seats. Uh, it's now pretty much 50-50, and Kamala Harris is the deciding vote. That's why Schumer is majority leader. Uh, there are a lot of tough races. We see Herschel Walker in Georgia, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, J.D. Vance in Ohio. Um, all the Republicans want is make it 51. They don't care if they're liberal or they're conservative as long as they get to 51. Where do you see the U.S. Senator Carl J. Calabrese? This is this is a little tougher to call. Like I say, I, I believe that Republicans have a real shot at a wave election in the House, 40 seats or more. I really do. Uh, the Senate is is tougher because you've got some real nail biters going on right now, and, and that would be in Ohio, uh, Georgia, Nevada, Arizona, um, and to a lesser extent, New Hampshire. Uh, but in all of those cases, it's interesting because with, with just the exception of New Hampshire, all of the Republican candidates running in those states, they're behind, but they're behind within the margin of error, 3% or less. That's interesting because in August, most of those Republican candidates were down by double digits. So the trend is moving now. And someone asked me yesterday why, for example, in the New York state governor's race, why all of a sudden do we have this major flip in, in the poll results uh, towards Lee Zeldin? And I said, well, a couple of reasons. First of all, people start to really pay attention in the middle of October. Okay, They're not paying that much attention in the summer or in September. But come October, they really start to pay attention. Uh, and so I think you're seeing that. I think you're seeing the crime issue move the needle towards Republicans. Um, and and you, know, you put those things together and you say, well, there's a trend going on now. It's moving towards Republican in all those states. I'm not going to say all those candidates are going to win. But as you said, all they need is one uh, to one pickup and they, they have control of the Senate. So it's 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 tight. But I do believe if the Republicans win 40 seats in the House, they will also win the Senate. OK, we're learning a great deal from a very gifted man who knows politics better than most professors. Carl J. Calabrese, if you're listening in Cheektowaga, Montreal, or Washington, D.C., as we blanket 17 states and much of Canada, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, Bet1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet cards and letters from Canadian and European listeners as this station has received letters of, as far as Scandinavia and New Zealand. A little plug here, West New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegmans stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. I'd like uh, to thank those uh, who've called regarding our recent guest, uh, Professor Bogdan Kotnis, Mike Balani, and Stefan Mahalyu. Coming up, we'll have Joe Winter with the Family Business Center at Niagara University and Major General Bo Dias with 36 years in the military. A little more information about Carl Calabrese from the article written by Bob McCarthy. 
Carl said this uh, this past year or so has led me to this decision. He said, my mind, body, and spirit say it's time. That's retirement. Calabrese, now 70, has emerged as one of the leading figures of Buffalo's growing lobby industry. The former Tonawanda supervisor and deputy county executive has partnered for many years with former Mayor Anthony Massiello and former Tonawanda Republican Chair Vic Martucci to make the firm's the area's largest. And that was from the Buffalo News when Carl retired. Uh, let's uh, talk about the Langworthy race. Um, He's seen as an overwhelming favorite. This is a Republican district. Uh, he doesn't have much to worry about, does he? Um, he is by far the, the the favorite in this race. This is a very, very red district. Um, it's possible to lose a red district, but you have to have an awful lot of extenuating circumstances uh, going uh, against you to lose a Republican district like this. You have to have a usually a very unpopular incumbent Republican president and, and a bad economy and maybe a unpopular war and just a general anti-Republican sentiment. And it's just the opposite this year, obviously. Uh, it, there's, I believe, a red wave coming, and uh, Nick will certainly benefit from that. Even in a neutral environment, uh, he would win this seat just based on the demographics of it. So uh, I know Nick very well. I know, as you do, and, you know, he's an experienced politician. He doesn't take anything for granted. He's he's running his campaign as he should, uh, getting out, uh, you know, to the, the locals and meeting people and speaking to groups, and, and he's doing all the fundamentals you need to do to win a race. So I expect he'll be a, a very comfortable victory margin come election night. Very good. Uh, now, let's talk about Chris Jacobs. He retired from a conservative district. He lives in Erie County that is two to one Democratic. There's an incumbent in Mark Polencars who seems to be suffering politically from his uh, very tough and many see unnecessary COVID restrictions that closed uh, hundreds of bars and restaurants and put thousands of people out of work for a year and a half. Can Chris Jacobs beat Poland Cars or Brian Culpa or Edminger for county executive? How do you see that race? Oh, I think he'd be an A-list candidate for the Republicans uh, uh, for county executive. Uh, he's proven uh, in past elections, uh, whether it be the Buffalo School Board or Erie County Clerk, that he can attract independents and Democrats. Uh, and so he would he'd be an excellent candidate. I think Mark Poland Cars is, if he does run again, and signs are he, he's thinking about it seriously, may run into that, what I, you know, I call the executive curse, and that's going for a fourth term. Um, legislators can get away with running, you know, for decades and, and winning because they really, you know, they vote on bills and then it becomes somebody else's problem to administer the bills and transfer, that means being transferred to the executive branch. Executives don't have that luxury. Executives make a lot of tough calls, a lot of tough decisions, and they anger people over time. And, and we've seen it before with the late Dennis Gorski trying for a fourth term. You saw it with the late Mario Cuomo trying for a fourth term. Uh, generally, with some exceptions, uh, Byron Brown being one of them, obviously, uh, politicians have a tough time in the executive role seeking a fourth term. And I think uh, I call it, and people call it the shelf life. And I think polling cards, if he hasn't reached it, is getting very close. And COVID certainly accelerated um, that journey to the shelf life. So Chris Jacobs would be a, a very formidable candidate if, if he decides to, that that's something he wants to do. It looks like crime is playing a major role in decisions with uh, elections locally and nationally. There was a, a man who was released from jail on um, this cashless bail program that seems to be an utter and total disaster. 
And then within a week, he killed uh, his uh, girlfriend, murdered her in front of uh, three children. Uh, just horrific uh, to see uh, such an animal. Now, Zeldin seems to be hitting on this with his ads, especially in New York City, with people being thrown in the subways, stabbed in the streets, shot in the streets. Uh, crime, I think, is up about 30% in New York City. Is this crime thing and uh, going to possibly put Zeldin in after his um, family was 30 feet away from bullets at his house and he was uh, attacked by uh, someone wanting to uh, hurt him with these uh, knuckle knives? Uh, where's crime and Zeldin? Well, crime right now ranks as the number three issue in New York State behind the economy. And surprisingly, number two issue is threats to democracy. I think that's why you've seen so many Hochul ads, you know, showing images of January 6th and Donald Trump and that type of thing. Uh, but I think it's moving the needle now because it's coming closer and closer to home. You know, what's interesting, Brian, is the national media has, for most, for the most part, ignored the border issue. They've only covered it when there was that situation, I believe, in El Paso where there was like 3,000 migrants living under a bridge. They covered that, and they certainly covered the, the issue of when De Governor DeSantis and Abbott began sending uh, illegal migrants to uh, Martha's Vineyard. Then they covered it. Other than that, they, they really ignore it. But when it comes to crime, that's a local issue. And we all know if you watch the local news, read the local newspapers, crime is reported and reported heavily. Oftentimes it's the lead story on, on local news at night. So the average person in New York is you know, turning on the local news, picking up the local newspapers, and they're seeing and reading about horrendous crime, you know, right. vicious attacks on innocent people. They're seeing that every single day, and it's coming closer to home now. I mean, when it happens in a suburb, in the Long Island suburbs, as it did on the front lawn of Lee Zeldin, it ain't a city problem anymore, right. okay? And uh, I think people are seeing that all over, and uh, you look at, you know, what happened is the, the BLM riots, of the summer of 2020 really let the crime genie out of the bottle and democrats don't know how to get it back many many cities run by democrats defunded their police departments you've got prosecutors funded by george soros who won't prosecute you've got cashless bail and you put all that together and you get mayhem you get you get what looks like a society a culture dissolving in front of your eyes and i think people are going to react to that and, and zeldin i think would be smart to continue pounding away at it one issue, uh, Carl Calabrese, we don't see on mainstream news is that former President Trump asked Nancy Pelosi, a Speaker of the House, and Bowser, the mayor of, new of Washington, D.C., for 10,000 to 20,000 National Guard troops to protect the Capitol on January 6th, but they refused to sign that order. Doesn't that show that Trump wanted to protect the Capitol and the White House? And they refused it, but you don't see that. Why don't you see that on the national press? Well, because we have, you know, we all know why. Because the, the national media, the national press, has has headed out for have a vendetta for Donald Trump. Uh, you know, from the beginning, uh, they were major players in the Russia hoax. Uh, they continue to do anything and everything they can to destroy him, and uh, this is part of it. Uh, you know, Brent, I'm convinced we only know a fraction of the January 6th story. Mm -hmm. um, someday it will come out what the FBI's involvement was because there's all kinds of evidence that the FBI had people implanted and uh, encouraging folks to go into the Capitol. Uh, we'll find out someday, but it, it's not going to be now. It's going to be after the Republicans, I think, take over the House and Senate and 
hopefully in 2024, the, the White House, and really begin to do um, what we did in the 70s with the Church Committee, which we brought our intelligence agencies, the FBI, the CIA, that were doing abusive, abusive practices against American citizens, brought them under the microscope, exposed it, cleaned house, and reformed those agencies. It's time to do that again, especially with the FBI. Uh, I can't believe how corrupt the FBI has become at the top level in Washington. Uh, and it needs it needs a, a thorough house cleaning. And you're not going to get that unless you've got a re- Republican uh, Congress and a Republican president. Well, that seemed to be evident with the raid on the White House. It was former uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton that had 30,000 emails going through her house. But there was no raid there. But there was a raid on Donald Trump. So it seems that they're... Two systems of justice. There's one for no Republicans question, no question. with a raid and Mrs. Clinton, nothing. Yeah. Well, just look at the raids now going on with pro-life activists, nonviolent uh, people exercising the First Amendment rights, having 20, 25 armed FBI agents show up at their house and knocking down doors and, and arresting them. I mean, it's just, it's scary to me. It's absolutely yeah, It reminds me of that Elian Gonzalez when... They came in with machine guns with a seven-year-old child. Yeah, you know, it just... this is this is unbelievable. I mean, the latest one was with the fellow who uh, a year ago got in a some kind of nonviolent scuffle. He was he, he and his son were out in front of an, uh, uh, of an abortion clinic, yeah. and he was approached by a, a pro-abortion person, and the pro-abortion abortion person claims that he was shoved. Um, the pastor involved in this said he did push him back because he was intimidating his son his mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the local police investigated, the local um, DA investigated and said there's nothing here. A year later, the Garland Justice Department decides to prosecute this guy. They raid his house with 20 FBI agents, fully armed, and he's facing 11 years in prison now. I mean, it's 11 all, years in prison all, for protecting his son. That's what the, that's the charge that he could face. It sounds that's, like that's the, the FBI that, is becoming very, very political. Oh, it has. And one of my biggest disappointments in Donald Trump was his appointment of Christopher Wray as head of the FBI. And the second biggest disappointment of Donald Trump was he didn't fire him when he yeah, could have. Yeah, because yeah. I think the guy's a disaster. Yeah, they call it the swamp. Our guest today is Carl J. Calabrese, former deputy county executive, former Tonawanda supervisor. Carl Calabrese, a guy with great wisdom and vision in politics. If you're listening in Tonawanda... Toronto or South Buffalo, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rosk, the bet 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always read Canadian and European letters also. Um, one more item that Bob McCarthy wrote about, Carl Calabrese's former lobbying firm. It said last year it represented clients ranging from the NFTA to Buffalo Niagara Medical Campus with state records indicating billings of almost $1.5 million. A very uh, bright, a gifted man, Carl J. Calabrese, our guest on the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520. I want to talk a little bit about uh, borders, and I'd, and maybe you can explain this to me. Uh, we're turning to the international sphere about how our country is so concerned about the Ukrainian borders, but we have no southern border. Could you explain this hypocrisy to listeners to the Rusk Report? Well, it is an hypocrisy. I mean, if you had to pick one word to describe it, it would it would be that. Um, 
this is a policy, a, a, a deliberate policy of open borders. Uh, I've described it as what I think is the on the part of the Democrats, the biggest voter registration drive in history. I think that's the end goal here. Uh, there's no other way to make sense of it that uh, in, during a pandemic, you would allow unvetted, unvaccinated people into this country when you know, you're requiring uh, your own citizens to get vaccinated in order to keep their livelihoods. It, it's just unbelievable. Um, and of course, as I said, um, Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis exposed the hypocrisy of the left when they sent those migrants to New York City and and Martha's Vineyard, and all we heard was howls and get them out of here. And within, you know, within a day, they were all sent to a military base. So it is total hypocrisy. What's going on in Ukraine, Brian, really got me scratching my head because um, that part, I mean, it is not in our national interest, our vital national interest, nor has it ever been. Who controls the Donbass region of Ukraine? <laughs> and right. now we're I mean, moving towards what could be an armed conflict with Russia. Uh, I listened to David Petraeus, the former General uh, Petraeus, Smart one day guy. on the news a few weeks ago. But you know what he said? I was shocked. They, they asked, well, what would our, should our response be if the Russians use tactical nuclear weapons on the battlefield? And he said, well, we'll just destroy the Russian fleet in the Black Sea. And he said it so casually, like, you know, it's just going to happen, and they're going to say, oh, we're sorry we used it. Uh, thank you for destroying our fleet. We'll, we'll go back within our own borders now. I could not believe it. There's a very interesting coalition going on in this country between the hard left and the neocon Republicans um, in favor of war with Russia. And they've reduced this issue down to Ukraine good, Russia bad. Uh, not what is in our vital interest. Our vital interest now is to get this thing settled before it escalates. Uh, and I don't think that's going to happen until we, America, tell Zelensky, here's the end date when we're done. This is not a bottomless pit of money. You've got to you've got to negotiate a settlement to this thing, or else we're out of here. Um, because right now Zelensky is saying he will not negotiate unless Putin is overthrown. We can't live with that. We cannot live with that. This part of the world is not part of our vital national interest. Certainly not worth you know going to the edge of nuclear war with Russia, or maybe over the edge. Uh, and so it has to it, it has to be done. But you've got the the far left that hates Russia because they believe they elected Trump in 2016. And you've got the neocons, you know, the least Cheneys of the world, who've always favored a very interventionist foreign policy to the point of war. Uh, and they have kind of joined together. And, you know, they're the, the core of this, this pro-war bane of the drum in Washington and within the elite circles. And that's what we're dealing with. Hmm. Uh, we have a minute left on the Rusk Report. Inflation, doesn't it seem like the Democrats are trying to bring up every other topic under the sun to get the eyes of the American public off this 8 to 9% inflation rate, while under Donald Trump it was 2%? You, you can't get to the American public's eyes off of it because their eyes see it every time they go to the gas pump, every time they go to the grocery store. They saw it when they had to go back and buy new school clothes and school supplies for the kids going back to school in September. It's sticker shock every single week. The Democrats can yell and scream about all kinds of other periphery issues, um, abortion being the one, but every poll I have seen has abortion, the number one issue of four to five percent of this country. And to assume, and the media does this, Brian, mm -hmm. the media always assumes that that four or five percent of people who say abortion is their number one issue, that they're all pro-abortion, as if the pro-life movement that existed for 50 years prior to overturning of Roe just never existed. Um, at least half of that 4 or 5% are people who are pro-life and rank that as their number one issue. So uh, they're not going to succeed. The, the, the impacts of inflation, a slowed economy, 
uh, crime, the border, and to a certain extent, I think it's a sleeper issue, especially in the suburbs, is education. I'm sorry, uh, we, have to, to we have to bring the Rusk Report to a close. We've learned so much from a very bright, gifted man with a lot of vision, Carl J. Calabrese. Also, special thanks to Kevin Carr, Director of Production for the past 15 years. Thank you for teaching us so much, Carl Calabrese. Have a great week. Thank you, Brian. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.